everybody. I'm J.B. Shreve, your host here at the Faithful Considerations Podcast, and we are working our way through the book of Ephesians. This is our latest episode in that series. And what we're doing, we're not going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, anything like that. It's not really a chronological study. We're just reading through it uh, during the month of October when we first started this. We were trying to read the book of Ephesians every day and just capturing some of the, the dominant themes that we're recognizing in that book. And so that's what this podcast is, is a continuation of that. Now, this podcast, the one before, or this episode, the one before, and the one next, they all do kind of run together. Uh, That's a little bit different than the podcast episodes that have come before in this series. So we're going to continue where we left off last time, and we'll be looking at Ephesians 4 today. And I'll get into those specifics in a minute. Remember, if you like these episodes, be sure to share them on social media with your friends. Be sure to give us a positive rating at Spotify or wherever you're downloading or streaming the podcast episode today. And I think that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoy today's episode. episode in this series, we looked at the two types of human beings. Maybe we should say the two types of being human rather than human beings. One is driven by the flesh, the other by the spirit. One finds its source, its operating system for life from the dust, the other from the breath of God. Now I want to go a little deeper into that today, into that thought process today, because Ephesians really does have a lot to say about it. The key passage for this episode is Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. In my Bible, it actually has a subtitle over those verses called the new life. This is how it starts. I'm just going to read verses 17 to 19 in Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now, in that verse, you see the word Gentiles. That Gentiles means a lot of different things, but what it boils down to in this passage, what it's referring to is people who are separated from God. These people have feudal thinking systems. They go nowhere. Their thinking systems go nowhere. It doesn't doesn't produce life. This is... I often go back to this from the Phillips translation. I love how it puts it in that translation, how it puts this verse uh, in the Phillips translation. It says, For they live blindfolded in a world of illusion and cut off from the life of God through ignorance and insensitiveness. Love that translation. Blindfolded in a world of illusion, cut off through ignorance and insensitiveness. Since I was young, I've been intrigued by philosophy. And I classify some guys as philosophers that others probably wouldn't. But to me, philosophy is everything from poets to psychologists to, the, to those, I guess, that we would traditionally classify as philosophers. It, it's really just people who study and consider and write about the truth, write about life. They're seeking it out. They're trying to figure the thing out. I'm intrigued by guys like Nietzsche, like Emerson, Jung, and, and others who write about uh, that search, that, that question about life, what's it all about, what they considered, what they saw. But I, I'm also intrigued 
by how these guys, these great thinkers, how they miss the truth. They see things more than the average man, but because they're drawing their thoughts and their perspectives, their considerations from the dust, from the earth, like what we talked about in the last episode, they're not really seeing the truth. The dust, the earth, it can't give us the truth. That can only come from the mind of God. We have to lean into the breath of God, that part of our being, to commune with him there. And that's what we find. That's where we find the truth. Even the greatest thinkers among the Gentiles, those cut off from God, they're, they're blindfolded in a world of illusion. They're cut off from the life of God through ignorance and insensitiveness. They might perceive and consider interesting things, but they're not ultimately getting at the truth. It doesn't bring forth life. It, it doesn't kindle the spark in them toward anything eternal. And that inability to see the truth, that state of blindness, that trappedness in a world, or being trapped in a world of illusion, that's a serious predicament that the world all around us finds itself in. So many, including maybe some of us, are chasing things that aren't real. We're seduced by the illusion, the, the tug of mortality, the demands of the world. And in that pulling and the seduction, we become addicted, blindfolded by illusions. Careers, relationships, materialism, all sorts of things, born of the earth, but not of the will and the heart of God. And those illusions, they teach us, they train us to turn off our heart and turn on our soul. Turn off the, the heart that to, from being sensitive to the movings and the preferences of God. That's the way we were designed to work. This verse isn't only telling us what the Gentiles are missing, it de it's defining for us the nature of our new life in Christ. We have sight. We can see things that they can't because we refuse to let the illusions dominate us. We're sensitive. The life lived on the breath of God, it's a, an incredibly sensitive life. Now, I'm not talking about a mamby-pamby, touchy-feely sensitivity type of thing. I'm talking about being aware of the preferences and the purposes of God, just like we might be aware to the changing way the wind blows all around us. It happens all the time. It's occurring all the time, but we have to be sensitive and aware to recognize it's happening. The new life that we have in God is one that's not blindfolded by illusions. It's one that's deliberately seeking to put aside the things that blind us, that keep us in the darkness of ignorance. The new life we live is fighting. This is what it's about. It's fighting to maintain a sensitiveness of our spirit so we can hear God, so we can sense his presence, his preferences. We're not surrendering our life to sensuality because that's the bait. That's the bait that blinds us. It causes our flesh to flare up and dominate our thinking system, and that suffocates our spirit. The new life manages the senses. That's what we're called to live. This new life manages the senses so the Spirit of God can be recognized, can be followed. Continuing with the passage in verse 20, chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul says that, that now he's referencing this the way the Gentiles, those cut off from God, the way, the way they live, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him, or taught in him in accordance with, with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. The new life has to be taught to us. That's the key part to recognize right there. We have habits in our lives built up 
B.C., before Christ, right? Sensualities, illusions are the foundations of those old habits. That's the way we, we have to cut off. That's the way of life. And that's why we have to cut off that way of life. Turn it off and we have to unlearn the old ways. We have to learn the new ways. And in that learning of the new ways, the new life in Christ, Paul says in verse 23, we are made new in the attitude of our minds. That's a common theme from Paul. In Romans 12, he told us, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We change from the inside out. You want to change your life? You want to change who you are? Well, change the way you think. Change your perceptions. The way you see life, that's how it works. This is how we take on the new life. The new life was intended. It was designed by God to make us like him. That's literally what it says right there in verse 24, Ephesians 4, 24. That's kind of crazy because that's what the devil or what the serpent tempted Eve with way back at the beginning in Genesis 3. He said, if you'll eat from the forbidden tree, if you'll disobey and own your own destiny, you're going to be like God. Deception and illusion go hand in hand. If we want to be like God, and we should because that's what he wants, Jesus said, be holy as I am holy, or God said, be holy as I am holy. If we want to be like God, then we have to take up this new life he made for us. And we take that up by changing the way we think. Now, I've been walking with God for 26 years now. One of the benefits of a spiritual journey, as the years go by, you slowly start to see the fruit of the decisions you made. Those decisions... They're the seeds we sow into the pathway of our life. In the beginning, you, you believe it's right. You take your knowledge, your understanding of God and his word, and you act on it. You turn away from some parts of life and you turn towards other parts of life. And by faith, you believe you're doing the right thing, but you don't necessarily know for sure. Right? That's why it's called faith. Well, then a couple of decades pass and life falls into place all around you based on those decisions. The taking on of the new life, it's not easy especially in the beginning. A few years ago, I realized the fruit that was starting to bloom all around me, the illusions, the, the seductions of this earthly realm, they were losing their hold on me. And I was seeing the formation of the new life, the standards of God in me, in my home, in my marriage, in my kids. That's the way it works. That's how it comes to life. That's how the new life of Christ becomes real and tangible to us. The rest of this passage... In Ephesians 4, it continues the theme of the new life. And, and we're going to continue with that in the next episode in this series. We're going to look at the priority of relationships in the development of the new life that we're supposed to take on. And I think you might be surprised. You might be surprised how high a priority of that scripture and the heart of God puts upon the way we manage our earthly relationships. That's where we're going to go in this next episode as we continue in this series, looking at the book of Ephesians. That episode will be coming up next week, and I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, everyone.